What is going on, all you constant listeners out there in the multiverse? You are listening to the Earth 16 Comics Wire podcast. I'm your host, Brian Earth 16, and my guest for today is Anthony Anthony Stokes, um, who's the writer for um, his Kickstarter comic Decay, which is a comic about. Um, it is a comic about. Let's see. I believe I took my notes here. Ah, yes, it's about bringing. Um, where you can find. I'm so sorry, my notes are a little mixed up here. <laughs> um. So it has a lot to do with, so it's pretty much a comic about tragedy and all that. And yep. it's, um, ah, there it is. It's a comic about love, despair, grief, and revenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There we go. And um, I read this comic and I thought it was, um, I thought it was really amazing. I thought it was like, um, it was just like I Zombie in a sense. You, po- you know that comic that. from Vertigo? I don't actually. I saw the TV. Sh- I didn't see the TV you know, show. It's funny. I, I was show. introduced to it through the TV show, but I had no idea that they made a comic of it. But then mm-hmm. when I when I saw that on Vertigo, I was like, oh, and I read a little bit of it, too. Really interesting comic. OK. And if anyone's into um, zombie stuff or I zombie or anything like that or zombie comics like Walking Dead even or into the occult or voodoo or voodoo magic. I mean, this is definitely the comic you want to read. Mm-hmm. in my opinion at least um absolutely and i think it's really cool so we have anthony um we have anthony stokes how's it going i'm doing i'm doing fantastic i'm really excited the kickstart launches two weeks from yesterday as of this recording so you know kind of gearing up for that but, you know anxious excited you know everything that comes with hosting kickstarter yeah i mean save the date people two weeks and mm-hmm. i mean i've read this comic and i think it's really amazing i read both actually both issues one and two and now that we're i'm um, talking about the comic um and we're promoting it um what can you tell us about decay i can oh i can tell you a lot so it, it, it is a revenge thriller with a supernatural like a hard twist it's about grief and love and loss it, it's basically about trying to stay alive for somebody else and and what happens when that goes wrong and it's very atmospheric, very character driven, very, very bleak, you know, it, it, um, misanthropic in, in certain regards. So, you know, if that sounds good, then, you know, it'll appeal, appeal to anybody who likes those sort of things. Oh, I definitely love me a good revenge story and like a good um, story that, you know, that invokes so much emotion. And mm-hmm. when I read it, it was like, to me, it was just, it started off as, it was sort of like a flashback and it wasn't what I least expected. And that's one of the things I like about these comics. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, everything looks all normal. Everything looks all cool. But then all of a sudden it's like kind of like that. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Because like the first part of the comic actually, obviously, you know, someone someone got shot. You know, that's what we see. I mean, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah. toward the end, especially, that's that's when it, that's when the story really begins. Mm-hmm. And it's just about two guys mind their own business. They want to um, basically sell. They want to sell this drink and want to promote mm-hmm. their business. And then they get caught in the they get caught in the crossfire. And um, basically, um, one, two of them get shot and they die. And the main character decides to bring one of them back from the living. And mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. When I read issue number two, um, we got to the part where obviously i forgot the character's name um i do know the main character's name is jess but mm-hmm. their, their brother's dk dk yeah there you go mm-hmm. so when dk comes back to life um he's he has this i think he has sort of like a talisman of sorts that a necklace is, a necklace yeah and 
a pendant that's a yeah a pendant that just keeps him alive and i thought mm-hmm. i thought it was really cool because like when he takes it off like he just goes back to like you know being in the of course. In, you know being dead and yeah it kind of reminded me of inuyasha the anime yeah i am familiar with inuyasha how, how so because I, I i i'm very familiar i, I like inuyasha a lot yeah like um so in the one of the characters i think her name is sango she has a little brother named kohaku Mm-hmm. and he um dies during uh right yeah and then like he he basically dies during an attack i think and he's brought back to life by kikio i think um mm-hmm. kikio was it um yes kikio on the the priestess and she puts i think she puts a shikon jewel inside the of him shard and like the jewel shard yeah and it just mm-hmm. keeps him alive so it kind of reminds me of that mm-hmm. yeah i mean no that's not too that's 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 yeah that's a good point i mean Having that plot device is definitely interesting, you know, because it it adds a, a weak point essentially, or a leverage point for the, the, the for the bad guys, a point of witness for the good guys. So it adds tension essentially and rules, you know, because if you have an undead person that you know can do anything without any consequences, then that's that uh, there's no tension in that. Yeah, absolutely, and um, that in itself is like a plot device. I feel. And um, just with the character of DK, um, he's like pretty much he's on a he's on a revenge spree after he comes back from the living. Revenge and, tour, yeah, like a revenge so tour, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, dang, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so now we're on the story. Like, why the title DK? Um, so it's DK, and I say this. I made this show before. It's better than rotten. Like yeah. the idea of a <laughs> yeah, the idea of a corpse. The that that. You know that decays it's it's really about moral decay like the the main character i like that dk you know he's he's becoming like a, a shadow for himself you know mm-hmm. he, he's giving into these dark impulses so he's the decay is with within himself you know physically and metaphorically essentially it's kind of ominous you know yeah like, mm-hmm and like the fact that you even named him DK, like his initials DK, like that—that's like that—that's <laughs> that, symbolic right there. I'm like, whoa! Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. I'm like, oh, that makes sense, DK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, it's a pun. his body in, in itself is a story, and mm-hmm. what's so interesting too is just that while he's on his venge tour, venge, revenge tour, um, he has like these. Not only is he like a Walking Dead man. Like he also has like these supernatural abilities, um, that where he can, if he touches a dead body, he actually inherits their voice in a sense, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Okay, yeah, thank you. That's what because the first one is pretty low premise, and I do enjoy low premise um, comic books and stuff like that, movies because it, it adds a grittiness and, and a and a realness to it. And um, with issue two, you know, it's it's a lot more world building. Mm-hmm. You can kind of kind of dip into like the the weird stuff that makes it a comic book and yeah you know also now that i think about it too what i kind of got from that too is just that you know when i read the comic again um i noticed that both he and his sister kind of well especially dk he wants to leave the city because he knows Mm -hmm. it's bad and from what i gather and um his sister um jess is a she's a really interesting character because i feel like she's um She's kind of like a mort- uh, morticianer. She is a mortician, yeah. But she's like she kind of reminds me of if a, if the Undertaker was a beautician. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to walk me through this one. Well, because, you know, the character of The Undertaker, the wrestler... Mm-hmm. And all I that. don't watch wrestling. I'm sorry. Uh, it's all good. Well, I mean, char- you know, basically his character is a is a mortician. And, you know, he buries the dead or whatever. But Mm-mm. you know, she just beautifies. You know, it's it's kind of beautiful too in the sense that how that character beautifies the dead, and because it's sort of like a, it's sort of rooted from trauma of mm-hmm. what happened to their mother because their mother, you know, she says she says something about their mother, kind of like. When she died, she wasn't given like she wasn't buried properly. I think it was. She wasn't. She wasn't. They made her her body. They, they did a bad job with the makeup. Yeah, and then I think you know that's kind of like where it kind of comes from. Like she want she makes a vow to like make everyone look their best on their last mm-hmm. day. I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah, so she has it. She's a, you could call her a bit morbid, but in a, I guess in a, in a positive way. In or a positive way, yeah. But yeah, she has a she lost her parents. Um, so she has a strange relationship with death and um, that's when she kind of gets into you know voodoo because in America death is um, is a bad thing you know it's entirely bad you know it's not celebrated it's not celebrated but if you know if you go to Mexico or New Orleans I was gonna think that yeah Creole cultures like it's it's like celebrated it's like okay this is the this is the next step you know los muertos well, yeah, I'm not gonna try. But essentially, like, yeah, it's it's a celebration. So so it makes sense that she would um get into this to kind of help her help her get through her trauma. And there's also a moment where um she doesn't bring that to her, her parents' graves because they're Christian. So it's also that she, you know, she respects yeah. other people's religion. So you had to do when you're paying per page and, and you have to do compo pages divisible by four because they take a sheet of paper and then they fold it mm-hmm. and that's the one two three four the panels and yeah you gotta basic so you can't have 23 you gotta have 24 can't have 25 gotta you know so you gotta be do really efficient storytelling so it, a, a real mission statement for me was to get the characters as developed as possible as as efficient as possible so i didn't want anything ham-fisted i mean you don't even find out dk's name until issue two, yeah. which was a big point of contention for some people. I, I don't know why. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal to me. And um, so yeah, it, it was like subtlety was a huge part of issue one. Is a huge point of emphasis. I think that's what makes it. That's what makes it so great, though, too, because you know it's like it's like right in your face, but you don't really know it. It's like mm-hmm. it's staring right at you. And when you now you brought that up, it kind of reminded me about how they made um, Watchmen 2019, and with the fact that um, you know when toward the end, when I don't know if you've seen it, I've seen it. It's been a while. It's been it's been about. Two Do you remember years. the part where she eats the egg, though, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that Doctor Manhattan. You know, spoiler that Doctor Manhattan like kind of like um, you know uses and then like she just like cracks it and then she notices it's like uncracked and then she eats the egg and then she tries to walk on water but then we don't really know for a fact if she inherited his powers but then i think the uh director said something to the degree like look at the look at the watchman poster of angela abar mm. and you notice that in the poster she's glowing blue like dr manhattan okay so it's kind of like you know it's kind of like the subtlety right there where in the sense that she did in, in fact inherit his powers in yeah. a sense yeah now nah, subtlety is super important because um there's not a lot people are trained not to 
I was watching this. I, I saw a tweet. I'm not going to. I don't remember who said it, but they were like, it was actually like a professional writer. You've seen the Batman, I'm assuming. I mean, I haven't actually funny enough. I haven't seen it yet, though, but I would okay. love to see it. Well, basically, like Gordon, Gordon and, and Batman are friends, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're colleagues. They have a mutual respect for each other. Um, and she's, they said, when did, when did, when did him and Bat, when did Batman and Gordon form such friendships? Like they didn't even show that. And she's like, you need that shown to you. Like you can't get that through the content. Like, you know, it's stuff like that. That is incredibly frustrating. It's like, and, and, and this is a person who's like, not a fan, like a mild fan this is a writer this is a professional writer. Just, I, I don't know. It's it's like a dumbing down of audiences, which is really frustrating, you know, especially if, when it's the people that should be in charge of making the audience smarter, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't need to see we don't we don't need to see all this stuff like we don't necessarily need a play by play. Hmm? It's like, you know, we need a play by play and all that. Right. Yeah. They're just friends. Like, yeah. So weird. <laughs> like like and and stuff like that so being subtle and a lot of people a lot of people don't they don't like that but i'm like you know it's cool like this might not be you know for you you know what i'm saying like exactly totally, totally fine but i'm not gonna do like I, remember I was watching um i do a lot of name drops i was watching moon knight i i love moon knight man have you seen like, episode four i have not seen episode i haven't even seen episode three i i was the the disney plus shows have a real lack of visual storytelling it's a lot of tell not showing and it, it i just can't i just can't get into it and like it's like i think that i think it has been truly detrimental to like audiences and what they expect is is um the 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 way that tv and movies just kind of spoofing them when you watch things like game of thrones or attack on titan um these things make the audience smarter you know like they they make you think and process information and notice little details and then when you get to certain things it's like no we're gonna we're gonna point the thing out we're gonna reference the thing again we're gonna have one character explain the thing to the other character and and, it, and it's really a shame um that that's where we're at but this is this is hopefully you know we can correct some of that you know fingers crossed yeah and you know that's one of, you know you kind of touched on you know attack on titan i mean usually a lot of anime isn't it attack on titan anime too Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because like you know, like with My Hero Academia, like a lot of times there's a lot of um, back and forth of, like you said, visual storytelling, storytelling, you know, and you know, it just keeps the it just keeps the fans in check too. Well, not in check though, but kind of keeps the fans updated as to what's going on, you know. And even even like the animes that last like only like thirteen episodes are really good because it's like you know they have that storytelling, they have these characters that bond, mm -hmm. and. Um, like one of one of my favorites being Outlaw Star, um, hmm. and um, Cowboy Bebop, um, Samurai yep. Champloo was a, was another favorite of mine. And I like those a lot. Those are gonna you know those are gonna be those are actually timeless because mm -hmm. you know it's like it, it tells a common story about two friends getting together, people who seemingly don't have anything in common though, but then when they get together, they realize that oh you know I actually have something in common with this person. And, you know, I feel like that's one of the amazing things about anime, and even with Star Wars, too. I mean, I talk a lot about Star Wars, but I feel it's the same deal. Well, you feel, okay, can you reiterate, like, you, you feel like what's the same deal in regards well, to like Star people, Wars? You well, know, like, you know, people coming together who seemingly are different, but then oh. they have something in common. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, the, that's, that's, that's basic storytelling, you know? Like, that's 
that's like storytelling one on one. Is you, you bring a bunch of different characters together and then they bounce off each other and they develop and yeah, no, hundred percent. I see what you mean. Right. And I would love to tell a story like that, like an adventure story. One is I'm work I'm working on one right now. And I definitely think those are great. Those kind of teams. I love those stories. Off, mumpy, like Final know. Fantasy is the same way. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a uh, common storytelling technique and, and for good reason because it works. It's it's time. It's like classic. It's like the oldest mm-hmm. trick in the book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For good reason. So, um, going back to Decay, like, how mm-hmm. did you go come about creating Decay? What was the inspiration behind it? It was uh, a lot of uh, trying to process some trauma and some grief. Um, and it was I just wanted something that was different, that was very human. Like, I think we're getting away from the human element of these stories, like these big. I want to reference the MCU again. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. I like the name drop. So we look at like Iron Man is about a man trying to redeem himself. You know, we look mm-hmm. at Thor, somebody learn, like gaining their humility. And then you get to like mm-hmm. the Eternals and like who the hell knows? Like, what's the human element? Like, I know they're not literally human, but neither is Thor. But they're still yeah. like human stories. Like, we're, we're, we're losing so much track of like, like whatever your high premise thing whatever it still needs to be about a human being trying to trying to do something accomplish something so i wanted something what'd you say like the human element yeah the human element exactly like something that i can look at and be like i'm gonna come back to this story because of this you know black panther has it that's why it you know one of those things like so it, it was very important to try to to capture that and there's nothing more human than death you know like it's unfortunate and yeah so it that that was something that was a real point of emphasis and like i said having having a family member writing about a family member that that you care deeply about but you know you can't protect them you know like it's a scary thought when you're a kid and you grow up and you realize like your parents like can't save you from everything you know what i'm saying like you can love somebody with all your all your heart but like you could try to protect them but they're going to live their own life and, 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 and you, you, there are circumstances where you can't do anything. And that, that's really what it's about. I feel like that's why shows like, you know, the walking or comics, even like the walking dead by Robert Kirkman are so, are so popular because they do have that human element about mm-hmm. people coming and going. And, mm-hmm. you know, you grow so attached to these characters, but then when the moment, like when they die and, you know, they die in at least expect, you know, when you least expect them to, I mean, everyone on walking dead pretty much has an expiration date. I mean, it's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's like just that. life in general too, though, that but is life. you know, in walking dead, especially it's like, damn, you know? And I started following the show. I mean, a couple of years ago and like, I, you know, grew to like the characters. My favorite character of all was Glenn, actually, funny enough. He was a, one of my favorite characters. I mean, just because he was a, he was a lovable dork, you know, and he, you know, someone who you can kind of relate to. I, yeah, at least I'm I felt gonna, I could relate I'm to him. And of course, Maggie was hot. <laughs> well, uh, his, oh, yeah, his yeah, girlfriend. She, she, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I forgot <laughs> the dude's name. Um, Steven uh, Yun. He plays Steven Young's amazing guy. Amazing yeah. actor. Yeah, really amazing he's, actor. He's fantastic. No, he's, he's amazing. And, you know, this, he was just someone who you can relate to. And he, he mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, all brawn or, you know, whatever. He was just like all of us in a sense. But then when I saw him die, it was just like, dude, it was like seeing like a relative, you know, get, you know, when Negan killed him. And ironically, yeah. Negan became one of my favorite villains and my favorite anti-heroes. But yeah, 
you know, just seeing that happen, I was just, it, it really hurt. I was like, oh, man. That's interesting, yeah, because people, that go kind of goes back to one of the complaints that happened, one of the complaints I got with Decay, and, and it's not perfect. I'm not somebody who pretends. Oh, no. I don't have the resources to tell a perfect story, you know? Like, but they were like, oh, you should get to know the characters more so you feel you feel for them when they die. And it's like, people kind of miss the point is that you're not supposed to feel them because you you know them so well. Like, you know, when like how you know Glenn, you know, like, yeah, maybe you feel you, you're supposed to feel empathy because it's a human being going through a bad situation. And it's also about like the feeling of dread leading up to catching up to the cold open from the first page, you know. So I think people. I think I, I think also maybe Game of Thrones has like changed the perception of that. Like we're like, OK, a character has to, when a character dies, it has to be like a big emotional moment. But that it, but it's not. It's actually a pretty cold, um, almost almost clinical, almost sterile moment, you know, um, when when, yeah. when DK when DK dies. And that's on purpose, you know. So I've um. I think I think yeah, like I'm just trying to condition people to to um, appreciate just the storytelling on its on its own merit, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, you just want to make sure too that you know, again, going back to the human element, mm -hmm. I feel that's why you know even shows like Superman and Lois are doing so well right now because what's amazing about Superman and Lois is is that there is that human element, you know, with Superman. You know, I mean, Superman has always stro strove to be human in a sense or related mm -hmm. to the human race, even though he himself is not human. Yeah. I mean, he struggled with loss um, of his parents. I mean, especially his mother, you know, was a really, you know, crushing one in, in this um, arc anyway for Superman and Lois. Like, then seeing his father pass away, it was just... Yeah, and I think that's something that the Zack Snyder's movie got like incredibly wrong is like they changed it from like a heart attack, which is something that like is human, you know, like everybody can relate to that and they make it like a tornado. Where, yeah, that's where he could have stopped thing. it. He could have said it was so weird. It was like the worst characterization for a, a character like that I've ever seen. And <laughs> yeah, that just but yeah, that takes it out of a human. That takes it from a human problem, which which makes us relate to Superman to like a Superman problem. It's like, yeah, I can't relate to that. I couldn't watch my dad get clawed by her. her oh, tornado. no, you would want to do everything you can to save you your relative. You and, and, and he's so damn fast. He could have grabbed him without anybody like noticing him. But like, yeah, that's the, it makes it less relatable, you know, and it and it. Yeah, it takes it. It takes it away. Now he's an alien, you know? Yeah. Like before he was before he's Clark Kent. Now he's an alien, you know? Yeah. And um. You know, and also too, like you know, dealing dealing with that loss, but then also, you know, going back to Superman Lois, dealing with like raising two kids because he has two sons in the show. One okay. is like, That's cool. yeah, one's like you know pretty confident and pretty you know brash, but then there's the other one who's kind of introverted, but then is kind of anxious. But then he kind of they kind of rub off on each other too, in a sense where the two brothers start to bond more, and he starts becoming a little more confident, and then even the overconf the cocky brother starts becoming a little more at least a little more wise and mature though mm -hmm. he kind of in the recent arc he kind of got caught with drugs and uh, superman and lois okay. were not too happy clark All was right. just, <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but the, um it's interesting too because the introverted son has powers um and he's starting to inherit his abil superman's abilities okay no nah, yeah I, I think yeah i mean that I mean yeah getting busted for drugs is definitely like <laughs> 
I, yeah. I guess they're trying to make it like grounded in reality. But, you know, good job. But I, th- I definitely think it's good when shows do that. You can overcorrect. Like, I remember I was watching Falcon Winter Soldier. Another and, good one. Uh, well, so you say. He goes to, like, the, the crux of the first episode was like, can he get a loan from the bank? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, he's a, well, one, one, anybody who understands, like, how the military works. Like, he is, like, a high-ranking officer in the Air Force. They would happily give him that loan. And then he's an Avenger. And then he he knows a bunch of rich people. And it's like, all right, you guys have now. I think my problem with the MCU is uh, they want to have their kick and eat it too, where like people reference the snap and then the next moment they're like, they won't acknowledge some wild shit that just happened. Like, yeah, the fact that he saved the world, like he was a part of the team that saved the world, you know? Well, it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, if you would acknowledge that Thanos happened and then Moon Knight, it's like, oh, I saw a giant monster. Why would you be like, nah, come on, man. What are you talking about? (laughs) I forgot. What are you talking about, Steven? You're crazy. It's like, you would have, you saw a giant purple guy snap away half the universe you know so i I think i definitely think there's a balance and and absolutely but yeah like making the making the characters human was a huge point of emphasis and also death is a is a unifier so uh, multiple cultures can can appreciate multiple multiple cultures are represented here with it being from um it being said new orleans so new orleans is is a melting pot you know it's it's i say it's it's almost got a comic book lore in of, in of itself, you know, because you got French culture, you got... Oh, yeah, um, you have a mixture of cultures in New Orleans. Southern American... So, yeah, Southern American culture, you know, Mexican culture, you know, Creole culture, you know, Africa. Yeah, it's all it's, it's all kinds of... It's, all, it's, it's so crazy, you know, like how, how many different there are. So that, that offered a lot of um, opportunities there as well. And especially, you know, the food, man. I heard I the food wait. is good. <laughs> I'm a Che. This campaign hits. I'm I'm going this summer. <laughs> Mardi Gras and all that, and <laughs> yeah, get some gumbo. Get some uh, what do they call them? I can't remember. Like the little, the little bakery beignets. Yeah, get some get some beignets. What are those? Like, it's like a bread or something, or like. Did you ever see Princess and the Frog? I haven't seen Princess and the Frog actually. It's like a almost like a kind of like a donut, like a like a baked donut. They dust it with flour. Well, it was like kind of flaky. It's hard to describe, but it, it, they, they look amazing. Hmm. I mean, maybe I should plan a trip there myself. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, how did you come up with uh, forming the creative team behind DK? Like the, you know, the artists and like all that. Essentially, I found I found the artist on Reddit because I was looking around and I did two. I did a couple one page, two page stories. And then I and then I, I found them in. Um, I said, "Hey, he wants to work." And he said, "Yeah." And and he was, I'm, I think, pretty sure he's used to doing exterior work, which is the covers. And then I said, "Let's do some interior work." And he's like, "Yeah." So, and then my letter I found on on Facebook. He's kind of like a mentor of mine, um, SK. And uh, it's it's uh, that that was it. I mean, he does he does good work, you know. Like it's not much of a story there, you know. He just he just he just does his job, and, and we work well together. I mean, I do like the drawings though too. I mean, like mm-hmm. the the art and everything's really cool. And like when I saw like especially the city and all that, I was like, that's got to be New Orleans because it looked mm-hmm. oh absolutely like the lights and everything. And the it above really ground cool. graves were, and the graves and the voodoo yeah. stuff. Yeah, that cover is crazy, man. He really he took that. I can't take any credit for that. Wow. Like he 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 does an amazing job. I'm gonna be working with him for quite a long time. I mean, hey, some like a lot of times there like there's some comic book, um, you know, duos that are just like, you know, 
that do like that just it there's a lot of chemistry between the writer and the artist mm-hmm. kind of like um you know kind of like um just, what's his name he wrote like uh scott snyder and greg capullo um who wrote batman just okay it, it's it clicks you know yeah absolutely you know just for that example and then like i think another one for me was pat gleason and um they wrote the batman and robin series i mean i'm a, I'm a huge dc junkie much more than okay. I'm, i mean i'm a marvel guy too though but definitely a huge G- dc junkie i think that's a lot of cases like it's a lot of people i notice that are like dc fans but um yeah <laughs> no i'm great and then like when when com- like combo creators um like i don't know if you make comic books so you know respectfully like their opinions mean a crazy amount oh they know? do yeah and then but also like diehard comic fans i mean because it's i think well i wanted to make it so that if you like storytelling you can pick this up and read and enjoy you know like i i know a lot of people start off too big with their thing and then it's like oh you know like on the planet xandar in year <laughs> 5400 there's a king and then the king and it's like this massive backstory and it's just like <laughs> again where's the human element why do i care and um and like yeah like like why 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 should i care and then so i I was like i want to do something that was like simple you know like anybody my mom read it she liked it you know my mom is not a comic book fan you know so but i also do appreciate when people that are very into comic books they say they like it they like the art and and stuff like that yeah that's cool i mean and that's and actually that's the readers you really want to win over too even like you know yeah you got the hardcore comic book fans so but sometimes i feel like the hardcore comic book fans are a little judgmental God oh, bless yeah. him. And there was a time actually too where <laughs> I was on Twitter one time and they even asked, Who are your favorite artists? Your top five or whatever. And I mentioned my top five, you know, being um Greg Capullo and being number one of them, Frank Quiddley. Um I think I even said I want to say I said John Romita and then Patrick the aforementioned Patrick ah. Leeson and all those other ones and Alex Ross is another favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. And, but then um this dude came, you know, this random dude, you know, came and said that and you don't read for his com- opinion. He, he was like, "You don't read comic books a whole lot, do you?" And I just, I didn't respond. I'm like, "Okay, whatever." But then the um, person who asked that question, she was like, "Hey, everybody's entitled to their to their own opinion." And the funny thing was that Patrick Leeson actually liked um, her response. And then like the guy just deleted his, you know, I think he deleted his um, comment, and then also I think his account was like gone or something too. Yeah, I had I I. I have a lot of people don't like the art and I think I the art was good. I think the art is fantastic. I mean, is it perfect? No. And we're going to say that like, cause, is, cause could it be cleaned up? Like if I had infinite time, would I have cleaned up some of the pages? Absolutely. But like, um, yeah, like, like it was, it was one, it was a person who said that, yeah, like the art's like 75% of the way there. And he said, yeah, like, a publisher wouldn't pick this up in its current state. I'm like, I don't, I'm getting hit up by some. Yeah, publishers. I'm. I, I don't. And 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 that's why. Like, why I think that's a real comic book fan. But like, I don't care about. Mm-hmm. I think people go to comic books for different things, and I think comic are like the most subjective media because like what you what you value is what you mention first. Exactly. Like Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Uh, reviewed a comic book and he didn't mention the art and a lot of people have problems with that but i'm like all right but kareem abdul jabbar is a writer like he, mm-hmm. he, he you know that's what he's gonna appeal to like me i'm a writer like i need good dialogue you know if exactly. your comic book has bad dialogue i can't i can't read it you know does that make it a bad comic book 
No, not at all. That's just a that's just a me thing. I wouldn't say to somebody that had great art, a good story with really bad dialogue, like, oh, I don't think anybody's gonna get invested in this, you know. Yeah, I, and you know, again, not to diss, you know, hardcore fans, you know, I mean like not. I'm a fan, but it's like you know, you talk as if like you yourself are, you know, the, this is to the, you know, some of these fans, like you talk as if you're the artist or some other writer, but it's like, are you an artist? Are you a writer? If if not, then like at that point, it's like what my sister always says, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to the facts. Well, yeah, just like yeah. admit it's from a subjective point of view. Don't don't make assumptions for other exactly. players. Exactly. I mean, just as a disclaimer, I mean, you you can you can criticize whatever. I mean, hey, oh, this is this is this is the, the world of creativity, though. But just understand too that, you know, if you're not if you're not really any of these things, and it's it's just an opinion. It's just an opinion. That's and, it. And, and it it's just like you just gotta you. I think it's a bit arrogant to 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 project your opinion to other people. And again, yeah, I, I need good dialogue, but they're playing a good they're playing a good complex that don't like. Di- uh, comic books are not a medium about dialogue like that's plays that's movies that's television it's an interplay um, between word and images or words and images yeah it's not it's not the focus and and i'll read i'll read a comic book with with weak art if it has great dialogue you know what i'm saying like so it's just subjective and i think it's it's more subjective than yeah movies or television and such like that because i've read a comic book i'm not gonna name the comic book but people are like oh my god it's so good and i read it and it is so much damn text man <laughs> it's just the first page is just bubble 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 and i'm just like i can't read this like i literally cannot read this you know because i can't do it you know but that people like it you know and it had good art it had a good premise i can't i can't sit here and say like oh a publisher picked this up i can't believe this <laughs> you know what i'm saying so i just want people to it's 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 a each his own and you know what i'm saying we can we you can speak we can talk about man of steel objectively like zack snyder is not here in a call with us when you're talking to somebody that is making something you got to keep in mind that like one they have limited resources two like this is something that they really care about you know what i'm saying so I, I just want I just want people to keep that in mind. And like I said, I think the art is good. And it was like, yeah, is, are, the, are the character models perfect? Absolutely not. But like the the stuff that matters, like the moments, the the big moments, the the splash pages, the splash. Oh, the definitely splash pages. The atmosphere, the tone. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I think I think he nailed it. And I'm, I got I got to st- I got to defend my artist. Like I think he did a fantastic. Not uh, most people like it. I'm talking about like. One percent of people, by the way, but like, yeah, the, the, I, th- the, the, I think there's really always gonna good. be your critics, you know. It's, yeah. it's like it's like those football fans who say like, well, you know, I should have done this, but then never played a, a game of football in their life, you know, professionally. Yeah. And it's just like, come on, would you really yeah. have done that if you were in that very moment? You know, it's, it's like, come yeah. on, yeah, people, people, yeah, and the critics are gonna happen. The critics actually, yeah, enjoy it quite a bit, but. Like I said, I think I think it's really good. You know, I'm kind of past the point of like arguing. If you don't think it's good, because I think storytelling, I think good storytelling is is apparent. You know, like I think oh, it's yeah. like we all know what a good story is. You know, Absolutely. And I feel like I've done that. If that doesn't appeal to you, then man, like there's all kinds of things available uh, for you that you know that you can enjoy. Like I heard I heard a creator say that like, hey, maybe my stuff isn't for you, and that was like so freeing to hear. And I was like, yeah, I can tell somebody that. Like, man, like exactly. this might not be for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like such a great, it was such a great feeling. Like, 
All right, thanks for reading, man. Like, you know. Like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, speaking of, like, um, writers and all that, who'd you say is your favorite comic book writer? Hmm. So I'm not a crazy big comic book guy. Um, my favorite writer, I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to try to circle back when I think of a better answer. My favorite writer would probably be Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, I think I've heard of him. He did Social Network. Um, he did Molly's Game. He did, he's like, uh, yeah, he's like the, uh, okay, I know you know Quentin Tarantino. I know Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Okay, let's say Quentin Tarantino. Um, he's I mean, it could be from any genre, like comics or novels or, you know. Quentin Tarantino, um, Seth Rogen. Uh, <laughs> Seth Rogen's hilarious. Like, yeah, so he's great. Like, his, their style of dialogue is very natural. Um, it's very much like everybody feels real. And that was something that I really appreciated. But then the Quentin Tarantino is like everybody's like a cartoon character. So I, I like to study. I studied a wide spectrum of how to write dialogue. And I feel like Decay. Yeah, I feel like Decay definitely has that naturalistic dialogue where I put a heavy emphasis on that. And I don't think a lot of people do that in comics because, you know, like we got the art and all this other stuff. And it's mm-hmm. almost detrimental to have too much. It, it, you can't have too much dialogue. You know, you can't like it, it'll make it look like like terrible. Um, but yeah, like I like Brian O'Malley from who wrote Scott Pilgrim. That's one of my favorite things. Um, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. If I'm allowed to say a manga uh, writer, Isayama, um, Hajime Isayama, who wrote Attack on Titan is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Noah, Noah Hawley, who writes Fargo, one of my favorites as well. So I just named a bunch of people. That's cool. And like, do you also like, um, do you have like any favorite artists or if you don't have any favorite artists, do you have like any favorite cinematographer or like directors oh, yeah. or, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> favorite director, mm. man, like I really like the dude who did Midsummer. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Ari Esther, I think is a great director. He did Midsummer. He did Hereditary. Um, I really invo- enjoyed David Fincher, Edgar Wright. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really a movie guy. I, I, I'm a screenwriter, but I switched to comic books. Hey, movies, was, you know, are still, you know, movies are cool. And, you know, just as, they're the same as comic books in a way. I mean, it's different in sequential art and all that. Yeah, I mean, they're the, I think they're the biggest medium in the world. But, like, like by the same token, they're super competitive. And um, I, I, I can make a, a better comic book than I can a movie at this point. So I decided to make a, a, a comic book because I, I, I said uh, – I storytelling to me is universal it's like a universal language so i was like okay i can take it and i updated a few things i cut out a lot of dialogue but i felt like ultimately like yeah i think i think i think it came out pretty well for a debut yeah i mean totally and um you know and you mentioned movies and all that though and in the comics world like um especially in the star wars comics they had like the um war of the bounty hunters which i felt was like a star wars Mm. movie and actually you know, again, I talk a lot about Star Wars. Um, there was also, yeah. um, I feel like the War of the Bounty Hunters was kind of based loosely on Shadows of the Empire, which was arguably, you know, it was. I think it was planned. It was planned to be a Star Wars movie, and I think they were going to even get the, some of the original cast back somehow. But then, instead, they made it into a multimedia project. So they, a comic book came out, um, a video game, a novel, and it was just basically that took it took place between 
you know, the events of The Empire Strikes Back and The Return of the Jedi. And, you know, it showed how Luke, you know, Luke Skywalker dealt with, you know, having his hand cut off by Darth Vader and finding out that Vader was his father. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then they had this new villain by the name of Prince Shizor, and he was just like a real crazy interesting villain. And same with like the, the you know, I don't know if you know this, though, but then re- recently, you know, Disney bought Star Wars. You're, actually, a couple of years ago, they did. Oh, yeah, they, they've had it for years. They changed the canon, so they have this War of oh, the Bounty yeah, Hunters. Which is just like Empire Strikes Back, but this time, you know, the person who's taking the role of Shizor basically is Han Solo's ex-girlfriend Kira, played by Amelia Clark. But she's kind of like sort of on the side of good, but then not really. She's still right. sort of a crime lord. I mean, just really crazy. And mm-hmm. you know, I thought in that sense, you know, that's where I kind of feel like movies and comics are kind of similar because it's like you can even make a movie out of that whole arc. I mean, yeah, it's it's in today's in today's like medium means less and less these days. Like it used to be that a movie was a movie, comic book was comic book, a TV show is a TV show. Yeah. Now the with the Disney Plus and the MCU and Netflix have changed it to where this you're watching movies at home. You're watching more movies are coming out at home than in which is probably always the case. But like more big movies, a lot of big movies are coming out at home. Disney Plus has made like these Disney plus shows which i don't care for they're they're kind of like a blend they're like this wishy-washy like kind of a movie production value but not really and then also they don't have the 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 length of a tv show to really build up stories i feel but that's like that's that's right down the line you have the mcu which combines like comic books movies tvs so the medium means less and less you're going to see more more artists jumping back and forth between mediums because one it's going to be easy transition because if you can tell a story you can tell it on any medium and two you can diversify two um the 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 door is already open you know what i'm saying audiences are are already conditioned to audiences are already conditioned to consume comic books if they're watching movies you know comic book stories and stuff like that the, the the floodgates are open essentially so it's it's a great time to be a creator um right oh, now definitely yeah like you couldn't you couldn't do that you couldn't do that years ago you know so it, it's it's definitely a good time there, there's pros and cons of entertainment today but the accessibility and the lack of like hey you gotta do this you gotta do that like that that is good so, I mean, in terms of being a creator, like, how was the process of creating DK? Like, did you, um, like, the writing and all that, like, you know, talk a whole lot about dialogue. Um, what went into that? And, like, what else went into, like, you know, doing the art and all that? The, like, the, the biggest change was I, I had to cut out a lot of dialogue. Oh, wow. Um, for readability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and listen, I, I love dialogue, but I love making a good product more you know what i'm saying like um in, in my my this is not scratch the itch of like me having dialogue on a tv on a move big like a big screen but like and, and, and it, it it isn't easy you know to to not be able to do the thing that you love but you know you have to sacrifice for the for the better of the story mm-hmm. you can't be self-indulgent especially on your first your first thing ever you yeah know? like you can't you can't it, it's not about you it's about the characters about the story you know so I had to trim down on, on a lot of dialogue and just trust that, hey, people will kind of, like we said with 
with Batman and um, Gordon kind of just infer some of these things. And if you if it goes too fast, you know, like, hey, go read a go read a DC comic where they can they can make as many pages as they want and all this other stuff, you know, about the like, relationship. You know, yeah, there are there are limitations, you know, especially like on the on the lowest rung of making something, you know, and I don't, th- I don't think people take that into account that like people want people i made so I, I have a poster i'll send i'll send you the poster there's a there's a um you want to look it up actually hold on i'll send it to you real quick to, to I'll, I'll tag you in it real quick if you don't mind oh not at all um so it's like a this poster and I'm, I'm gonna talk while i do it and um i i'm not good at um like editing like visual graphic design or anything like that like i have somebody who does it for free right so I don't feel good like nitpicking and being like, oh, can you do this, do that, do this? When it's like in reality, like this person is doing me a huge favor, right? So I'm like, hey, which one of these do you guys like more? The left or the right? And then this one guy was like, oh, if you could take the 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 if you could take the logo and make it smaller and then tilt it 30 degrees and then put it over here and it's like bro i didn't ask all that. <laughs> like like these people think we have unlimited time to do these things you know what i'm saying like and it's it's just not the case it's actually the opposite and yeah um, especially for somebody like me who's doing everything by myself essentially except the art and the lettering which are huge you know like those are huge things but i don't have the time as much you know um I just tagged you in it um, so you can see the post, see what I was talking about. But yeah, if I had if I had more time, yeah, I could probably like get if I could pay him and be like, hey, man, can you can you edit it and do all this, that, this, that. But I was just like, I don't have time for that. You know, we got to move on to other stuff. Right. Which is what happens on like movie sets and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, we got to get as close as we can get and to, to be efficient. But then we got to move on. And I, like, I think people just don't take into account that like, man. This takes a lot of time, you know, like, yeah, I mean, because like even, you know, even like with, you know, creativity and all that or just creating stuff, it's like it's energy, it's time. And, you know, I mean, I guess maybe if you want to see a director's cut, sure, though. But then with the final cut, sometimes you can't add everything. It's like, you know, in a movie, you have your deleted scenes, but you're not going to add all the deleted scenes in the film. You, know, you have to make compromises on anything you do. And it's That's- interesting you brought that up, too, because I remember, you know, I, sp- I speak to a lot of friends about this, too. Like, the fascinating thing about how Street Fighter, the movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme, was made. I mean, there's there's a lot of articles on it, though, but, you know, basically what, what happened was just that the video game company Capcom that basically owns Street Fighter... Um, they wanted the movie to be made by Christmas, and the director basically—I think his name was D'Souza or something like that. If I'm not really mistaken, he made like the Hardy Boys and all that. Oh, like really? The TV show, yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know Hardy, if it was the okay. Hardy Boys or because you know it's based on the book, but oh, yeah. You know, um, he, he, you know, he was behind all that, like Nancy Drew, I think. Um, and hmm. okay, yeah, and he. Um, was uh he was he was like actually his back was against the wall and like he had to like hurry things things up and then jean-claude van damme god bless him was kind of being a bit of a diva at times you know on set and i think he even did like drugs on set too yeah yeah and it was just like a complete you know clusterfuck um and you know there was like 
that's why it was so it, like that's why so many fans i mean many people actually funny enough many people like the film because it's so bad that it's so good mm-hmm. you know and but it was just a total disaster because it wasn't it was nothing like the street fighter game i mean there were several yeah. references and the only the only highlight of that film was Raul Julia, the guy who played um, Bison, or you know, he actually played um, Gomez from the Adams Family until he, before he passed away, and that was his last film. And he okay. did it for his kids because they were fans of the game. Mm-hmm. But the point, the point of all that is just that you know, you mentioned like how there's so many time constraints in making things, especially like when it's comics or movies. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of time, there was like a lot of time constraints, and they didn't have the technology to actually you know, put all that in. So that's why the film didn't, that's one of the reasons why the film didn't do as good. Along with the fact that the characters that were played based on the video game characters were very, were barely had any semblance to the characters on the game. And it mm-hmm. was just that, uh, wow. But it's a miracle that, you know, because of all that, that even made, even, even came to theaters and all that. Cause like, you know, sometimes films that go up behind schedule, don't make it at all. Yeah. Yeah. But, pull a plug on them. Yeah. Went off on a little tangent there, though, but, you know, what you mm-hmm. said kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Uh-huh. And it's just, yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, there's so many time constraints, you can't put everything in. And, you know, sometimes there's other stuff, too, that goes in, like, you know, maybe this will work. But then it's like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't work. Or, yeah. No, yeah, art is, art is super hard. <laughs> yeah, like, art, is, art is incredibly hard. So just yeah. keep that in mind, you know. So um, we're going into, um, so the Kickstarter is going to be in about two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. May third. May third. So wow, it's like the day before Star Wars Day. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I did not think about that, but uh, it will be all right. Well, so um, what do you plan on putting into the Kickstarter? I got two. I got a variant cover which I just showed you. Um, and then so two variant covers: one from Lane Lloyd, who is super talented; another one from um. Um, Portless, who is absolutely fantastic. It's like a kind of like a realistic. It's like a really cool dichotomy because Lane's style is like kind of like silly and like whimsical, but kind of like um, kind of ominous, almost like a Tim Burton esque. And then Portless is like super like realistic, um, and 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 really like atmospheric. So I got two variant covers. I have a uh, mixtape full of my French made music composed inspired by um the k and then i'm gonna have a necklace the necklace indicates you too um that's gonna be available as well that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah and then you know some 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 various other stuff it, um issues one and two like physical copies definitely i i the variant covers i think are fantastic so i think people are gonna want to grab some of those yeah that's really cool i mean i'm looking forward to the decay and like um I'm actually looking forward to issue number three too, and see what happens there. I mean, this guy is like hell bent right now. Yeah, kind of like you know he is basically the Walking Dead. I mean, I don't know if I would call him that, but you know, yeah, it's like a zombie tub. I know people are tired of zombies, but zombie is a subgenre. Like as a main genre, yeah, it's kind of it's a little played out, but it's a subgenre. Like you can do a heist, you can do a romance, a coming of age. Like you can do anything with a zombie story. Oh yeah, I mean zombie stories are very um, versatile. Is that the word for it? Absolutely yeah and like um yeah and um it kind of might be a diehard a little bit too in a sense diehard um in what way well i mean that he's just on like he's on a mission you know mm-hmm. like it, 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 i kind of got those vibes from it and 
you know, not like necessarily yippee ki you know, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's just, there was a little bit of that vibe in the second issue, especially when he went after, um, was it Dre, I think it was? Trey. Trey, yeah, and it was just like, damn, <laughs> you know, yeah. And then, like, he's just, you know, resourceful. Then, like, when, you know, then we he wakes up in the morgue again. It's just like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, nah, it's, it's definitely going to be cool. And there's definitely people, people are going to like where the story is going. I think it gets better issue by issue. And the, the technique's going to get better, of course. Um, And, yeah, everything. I think I think I think it's all uh, people say uphill, which means bad, but it's all downhill from here. So it's all it's all, you know, it's all going to get better, you know. Well, I mean, speaking of that, um, um, for we're kind of on the close right now. So, um, do you have any final thoughts? And also, what do you hope people will get out of decaying? Um, I hope that they will just just enjoy the story, you know, enjoy the twist and get caught off guard and just and just get wrapped into the characters in the story. That's really cool, man. Well, um, that's gonna do it for the Earth Sixteen Comics Wire podcast. Where can we find you on social media? Um, be at Stokes the Writer um for my twitter instagram is um instagram.com forward slash decay comic i have a website decaycomic.com where you can get some comic books and so that's that's all the big ones and i'm also on kickstarter which um if you could pull when i put the link in the uh in the tweet below when you tweet out the episode that'd be a huge help that'd be awesome i'll make sure i i I post that too on the description and all that good stuff so that way everyone knows where to find it I'm trying to get the 200 followers um, pre-launch, so it'll be up. The episode will be up for a while. So, like, yeah, that'd be a huge help for anybody that wants to just um, help out with the campaign, help us keep it going. You hear that, constant listeners? Um, make sure you follow follow Anthony on um, Kickstarter and Twitter, so that way we can get this ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Anthony, thank you so much um, for mm-hmm. being on the Earth 16 Comics Wire podcast. Um Yep. So be on the lookout for decay. We're gonna definitely. I'm definitely gonna post it so that way everyone knows. So, um, as I always say, constant listeners, stay ever so awesome. Um, this is Brian Verse 16 and Anthony Stokes signing out. Have a good one.